Hey, we got a guest speaker this morning, uh, Dennis DeGrasse. Yeah, let's give Dennis a big hand. Dennis has been, come on up. He's been coming to our church for a long time, years and years, and he didn't come for a while, and he's back. And uh, he always has a, a really accurate, prophetic word for us. And, uh, but one of the things that I love about him, besides he's real prophetic and has an accurate word, but he has joy. You know, when I'm around Dennis, I feel... I always feel good after. I mean, I always feel like the joy of the Lord has somehow touched my life. I have noticed that about Him consistently. And so, you know, the Bible says in the presence of the Lord, you know, is the joy of the Lord. In your presence is fullness of joy. And so I think that's a sign of being in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let's give Dennis a welcome. I know the Comforter has been with us this morning because he left a little sign over on the, uh, on, b- b- beside my brother over there, so I think this might be yours, brother. I'm not, yeah. <laughs> uh, that uh, little book that's out there is a book that uh, I wrote with uh, an apostle friend of mine named Larry Kreider, and it's really a lifetime of experiences and sort of... Uh, very practical how to move in the spirit. And uh, I've discovered that moving in the spirit is just so simple and so easy that even I can do it. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not a hard thing at all. In fact, we were designed by God to do it. And so uh, I just encourage you to pick up a copy. A copy, I'm not in the book business, but we want to bless people and get them moving. Amen. And uh, I was just in Myrtle Beach over uh, the last weekend down there for the big storm. And that may have been a part of the influence of what I was seeing. But I believe God is saying something. And I believe that uh, it's not just for this church, but it's for the church. And I believe it's a prophetic word for where we are as a nation and as we are in the kingdom of God. And I just believe that God wants to speak to us and bless us and help us to uh, really know where we are and how to respond and how to act. And uh, so as I was praying, I just saw the picture of like a huge tornado, real dark and foreboding. It was huge and it was looking down from the top. And so you just, in fact, it might've been a big hurricane. It was really, really big and dark and foreboding looking. And uh, what I heard the Lord say was that the church is in the middle of a big storm. And uh, we're sort of all around us, there's forces that are fighting against us. And I heard the word intimidation. And that's what the enemy's trying to do to the church, to intimidate us, to make us be quiet, to shut us down, to make us be afraid. And that's really not what God wants us to do. And if he can do it, he'll, he has all kinds of tactics at his hand, uh, in his hands to use. But they're all subtle, aren't they? Divide and conquer, lie, you know, discourage us, get us to become critical, you know, all sorts of things. You know, and I used to have people when I was a pastor say, I'm just not being fed anymore. And at first I really took that personally. Then I realized that usually when people aren't being fed, it's because they've become critical. And so when you're critical, you can't eat the food 
that's put before you. And so if you're not being fed, maybe you just need to look close to home. <laughs> Is that all right? Just get over it, you know. And uh, if, you, if you see something you don't like, well, guess what? Stand in line. <laughs> you know, we're all full of stuff that someone's not going to like. But that's not what it's about, is it? It's about us rising above that and to, uh, to being gracious and loving and not expecting unrealistic things out of one another. So be aware. Be wary of his tactics. Don't let him uh, succeed. The only way that he can is if you yield to fear and doubt. First Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God has not destined us for wrath but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Colossians 2.15, it said, When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. That's about the resurrection of Jesus. And, you know, back in the day when warfare was different, if you spoiled a country, you stripped all the bark off the trees, you filled all the wells up and you salted the land and you left it desolate. You tore everything down. Nothing was left standing. And so there was no power left there anymore for rebellion. And so when Jesus was raised from the dead, that's exactly what he did to the devil. And so uh, the devil has power, but it's all the power of lies and subtleties and suggestions and innuendos. And I think sometimes we give him far more uh, power than he's due. In fact, we shouldn't even really be talking about him much. He loves it when we do. And uh, I want to just share some things that I believe God is saying. I heard a, a, a while ago I was in church just praying like you're praying here and worshiping. And I find that in that situation, God often speaks to me when the presence of God, that's the easiest place to hear from God, isn't it? And so I like to just sit in the presence of the worship band while they're practicing and just pray and I like to to just really press into God and not sort of get caught up in the party as it were but really that's the time to press in and really hear from God God what are you saying show me what you're doing see and in those times he'll show us things and speak to us especially if he knows that we will go ahead and do something with it and so I heard the Lord speak to me and uh he said that there was coming a, that there was a new wind beginning to blow in the church. That people had been praying for a new wind. How many of you have been praying for a new, new wind to God? But he said it wasn't like any other wind that ever ever come. And it's, God hardly ever repeats Himself, does He? He doesn't have to do things the same way that He did back in back in the good old days. He's got something new that He's doing. And so as He began to deal with me about this. Uh, the the word came, it was a new wind. Well, l- let me read it out of Matthew 3. Uh, John is baptizing, and he said, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I. And I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he'll thoroughly clear his threshing floor, 
and he'll gather his wheat into the barn, but he'll burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And that was a scripture that came to my heart. And when the Lord spoke to me, it took me back to my boyhood days. I grew up on a farm in Maine. Now, is anybody here from New England? Yeah, there you go. Now, how many of you remember baked beans? Every Saturday night. It's a religion in Maine. You have to have baked beans every Saturday. Now, made for some lively Sunday mornings, I can tell you that. And uh, <laughs> we used to have a saying in Maine, the biscuits are good, but the beans can speak for themselves, you know. So <laughs> beans are important. I mean, I'm, you know, and so... <laughs> I don't mean these little wimpy things you call baked beans. I mean, these are the real thing. They're baked in a big pot and they bake all, you soak them, uh, you know, all night and you bake them all day and you walk in the house and you can smell them and your mom's made homemade bread to go. I mean, it's just, they're wonderful things. And we use a particular bean called a yellow-eyed bean. And they're big, they're a big bean and they're just right for bacon. And so, uh, but some of you know my neighbors grew their own and they'd grow them and, and you just leave them on the vine until the whole season's over and then they become hard and uh, you can't get to the bean i mean that that husk is just as hard as wood and uh so they dragged that thing into the barn. I remember watching them, and they'd open up a door on each side of the barn, and there was the threshing floor. And they'd begin to, they had a long stick about this big with a piece of rawhide, and then a short stick on the end, and they'd begin to thresh those beans. And uh, then when they got done with that, they'd take these big winnowing forks, and they'd stick it in there, and they'd throw all that stuff up in the air, and the wind was coming through. And it blew it right off the floor. And there was those beautiful beans there. And they, they grow enough to last through till the end of the next season, you see. So that's what God's doing. <laughs> you see, that those, those pods and those vines were important to the life of that bean. They couldn't have grown without them. But then there came a time when the fruit was ripe and the bean was ready but the pods didn't want to turn loose. Got anything like that in your life? See, a lot of times things come into our life, they have a good purpose, but then their season is over, but they still have a hold on us. And they keep people from getting to the fruit of the matter. And so God in his love is coming down into his church and he's separating us from those things that don't count anymore from those things that are no longer serving a purpose, for those things that are preventing others from getting to the fruit in our life or even for you to experience the fruit in your life. And the wind of God is coming to blow that away. And it's Jesus that's doing the work, not the devil, not your mother-in-law, <laughs> not your wife, not your kids, not your parents, not your neighbor. It's God who's doing this thing. And it's important for us to understand that because God means for us to be free, doesn't he? he? He wants the fruit. He has a right to that fruit. And he sees, you know, that those things that are holding us back. So he's dealing with us. How many of you have been experiencing something like that in your life? Things being dealt with. Things, maybe things that were precious to you at one time, but they're not precious anymore. You know, now they're in the way. 
And so God separates us from that. And so it's not a, a time of like, you know, we've had moves when people would fall on the floor and get drunk and all that. I mean, not, there's nothing wrong with any of those things, but this is not that kind of a wind. And that's not what God is doing. And so in Acts chapter 2, it said, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. You see, this wind isn't coming just to deal with things, but also to empower us. We need the power of God, don't we? There was a word I wanted to share with you. Somehow I skipped right over it. It's important, and it's really sort of foundational to what I'm sharing here today because it's where we are as a nation. On January 1 of 1992, I was living over in Waynesville, and I was traveling over the mountains down to Wahala to minister over there in South Carolina. And I was just driving over the mountains up, a, you know, through Cashier. Some of you have been up that way. And all of a sudden, just out of a clear blue sky, the, word, the Lord spoke to me these words. He said, this nation is in the birthing mode. And he said, and the church is in the birthing mode. But they're birthing two different things. And he began to deal with me at that time about the nation. He said, this nation is going to begin to see an increase in natural disasters. They're going to increase in frequency, and they're going to increase in intensity. More of them, a lot more damage. That's the year Andrew hit. I think there were five hurricanes that year that hit Florida, if I'm not mistaken. That's the year Augusta had their 100-year flood. I mean... And as, as I've just watched this unfold, it's just been amazing, all the things that's happened to us. And he said there was going to be an increase of racial problems, and there was going to be a lot of property destruction because of that. And uh, so we've seen that happen, and we know that it's going on. Uh, and it's not just the stuff at home, but it's the stuff that's being imported from abroad. That's all racially driven and religiously driven. And so, and then he said there would be an increase of incurable type diseases like AIDS that, where there's not a really a cure, but it just costs thousands and thousands of dollars for people to literally die just to care for them until they die. I don't know what the price tag is on a thing like that. But what the Lord showed me was that he's really dealing not necessarily as far as like we commonly think of judgment, but God is allowing, you know, we used to joke when we were kids about we'd go out and sow our wild oats all weekend, and then we'd pray for crop failure. <laughs> but you see, there's not going to be any crop failure this time. Because all the things we've sown as a nation, they're coming to harvest. And so we're just seeing all this stuff taking place around us. Now, the word to the church was different and uh, see the Holy Spirit comes to empower us because in uh, when the children of Israel were at one time they were in another land they'd been carried away 
because of their disobedience to God. And so the false prophets all were standing up and saying, oh, don't even bother to unpack your suitcase. You'll be home before you know it. But then the prophet of God stood up and said, you better listen to what I tell you. This is what the word of the Lord is. You better marry your kids, to, you know, let them get married, have families, raise gardens, and pray for the prosperity of the city you're in. For as it prospers, so shall you prosper. And see, that's where the church is. We don't, we're here, whatever's happening to this nation, we're part of it. It affects us. Now, we may not be directly in line of the judgment of it or the results of it as far as because of something we've done, but we're living in the, the results of what other people are experiencing. So if a, if a hurricane hits a place and tears it up, I mean, you're living. Maybe your home came through, but you've got a lot of stuff you've got to deal with, don't you? Maybe you'll be without lights for a couple of weeks or who knows what. And so God said, if my people will pray and stand in the gap that a lot of things can be stopped from happening and that we can prevent things from happening. But we need to hear the Lord. We really do. Um, When you hear God and agree with him, it's amazing what can happen. I remember years ago when I was in the army over in Germany and I was ministering to these guys, I thought give me a little van and I'd carry them around. And so one Sunday morning we went down to this little place in the Black Forest and it's beautiful there, this little guest house that I knew about. But it was such a, it was a day like, well, like it was this morning, just dreary and clouds. And I remember we were sitting outside and it was such a pretty place and they were making a remark about how it would be nice if the sun was out. And I said, well, let's just ask God. And I remember... Something just stirred up in me, and I just spoke, and I said, Clouds, I command you to open up. (laughs) Have you ever done anything like that? I had never done. But I just spoke it, and all of a sudden, as God is my witness, a hole opened in the clouds. And the sun shined right on where we were. And those guys were just like looking around, you know, and like... (laughs) I thought, well, thank you, Jesus. Now, you know, I bet that they still remember that event. I sure do. I mean, you could say, well, you know, that was just a coincidence. Well, it was a coincidence because two incidences that came together. God spoke to me, or several, God spoke to my heart. I did what he said, and he moved. I was suffering up in Delaware a few years ago. We were having a tremendous heat wave. Some of you might remember that. uh, It's been a couple, it was in the last century. And... uh, (laughs) People were dying from this heat wave in the cities. It was bad, you know, and the weatherman uh, said, well, you know, we're in for it because the jet stream, which would normally be lower, was way up in Canada. And uh, so I'm just praying and complaining to God about the heat, suffering in the heat, and God said, why don't you command the jet stream to come down? And I thought, I'd never heard of anything like that, but what did I have to lose, right? There wasn't anybody else in the car with me. <laughs> so I remember I spoke and I commanded that jet stream to come back down and bring the cool air. I turned the weather channel on the next morning and guess what had happened? Overnight, the jet stream had moved. You know, that kind of got my attention. See, when we listen to God, even though that may seem outlandish, how can I say something in a car in Delaware that can have any possible effect? on something like the jet stream. 
But because I heard something in my spirit from God and I obeyed him, he moved. It's, it's an amazing thing. We lived in a big house in Pennsylvania, and uh, it was sort of like a house where you could just walk all around like a, you know, and there was just one door leading to another, and you could basically do the whole downstairs uh, through these open doors and things, and we got this huge fly in the house. I don't know how you are about flies. I hate them. And uh, I was chasing this fly around. This thing must have been doing 100 miles an hour. <laughs> he wouldn't land. I could hear him. It was the biggest house fly I ever saw in my life. And I'm trying to, finally, after about an hour, I just finally give up. And I was on my way out the back door, and the Holy Ghost said, why don't you command him to come out in the name of Jesus? Well, I looked around. There wasn't anybody there watching me. So <laughs> I thought, what have I got to lose? Right? You know, so I held the door open, and I said, come out in the name of Jesus. That fly went by me like a bullet. I'm telling you, I thought, wow, this stuff really works. <laughs> a few years later, I found myself living down in Madison, Florida with my sister, and the Okefenokee Swamp was on fire. Some of you might remember that. A few years ago, the whole southeast was in a drought. And when those muck fires start, it's bad. You get up in the morning, sometimes it would be like a cloud of smoke and stink and... and uh, so I was sharing some of these principles with the local church down there of how we can say things and affect the weather. And, and uh, you know, it was just they'd try to put it out and it, they'd finally get a little bit of it put out and lightning would hit again or it would just burn underneath and come out. And it had been going on for weeks. In fact, that fire was big enough that I went over to by St. Well, actually went to St. Louis, Missouri, and they could see the smoke way up there. That's how big of a fire it was. And so the Lord spoke to me and he said, well, why don't you pray? So I said, well, then in the name of Jesus, I pray. And so I just began to pray, Lord, uh, you know, gather the, the uh, rain out of the ocean and let the winds bring it in and put that fire out in this drought. A couple days later, I heard the weather report saying there's an unseasonable unseasonal tropical storm has formed off the coast of Jacksonville. We don't know where it came from. It's not the time of year for a storm. And I thought, well, praise God, that's the answer. But it only rained right along the shore, and then it blew out the sea. And I thought, what? what's with that? That's not where the fire was. It needed to come inland, you know. And the Holy Spirit let me hear it on the the weather, they said there's a high-pressure ridge parked over the whole southeast. It's not letting any rain come, and the Holy Spirit sort of like said, well, you know what to do. So I just spoke out in faith in my car all alone for that thing to move. You know, two days later, my wife and I were on our way to up to Missouri, and the day after we left, it started raining, and the drought was over. Now... God let me experience those things, not so that I could get up here and brag about all the stuff I've done, because I was always as surprised as anybody else when it worked, <laughs> but so that I could share with you a principle that we, the church, can move in dimensions that we don't think we can, but we have to hear God to do it. I mean, I didn't just decide in myself, I think I'm going to do this. Or, I'm not God. 
you're not God either, in case anybody hasn't told you. I'll let you in on it this morning. You're not God either, but you're his kid. And you've been created to hear his voice. And you've been given a mouth to, to agree with him and be his representative on the earth. So when God moves us, we can speak things of great blessing and great authority. We can. I heard the Lord say this morning that he's, that he's going to heal people with all kinds of bone problems here today. So if you've got any kind of neck, shoulder, back, knee, ankle, flat feet, if that's you, stand right up wherever you are right now because God wants to touch your body. He said he's going to touch your body, so I'm going to come in agreement with him. I'm not God, but I'm his kid. And so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you, God, that the gift of faith is here, enabling us to receive. And I speak life to these bodies in Jesus' name. I command scoliosis despite, to straighten up. I command arches to form in feet. I command joints to be released, rheumatism and arthritis to go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ under his wonderful healing power. Pain leave bodies right now. Next straighten up. Vertebrates line up in the name of Jesus Christ. Hips be released in Jesus' name. Nerves be released in Jesus' name. Muscles relax in Jesus' name. Pain go in the name of Jesus. All right. I want you to begin just moving yourself. Or how many have already said something's happening? What's happening, brother? Yeah, I mean, when I stood up, I couldn't move my back because I just get stiff when I sit. Praise God. Praise God. Let's twist again like we did last summer. What's happening? What's going on? Is it, is it lessening? Some, yeah. Well, praise God. You can be seated. See, we think that unless we got the whole thing, we didn't get it. But see, no, if it, what's happening, brother? You're, what's going on with your hip? The pain's gone. See, if, the, if it started to go, just say, thank you, Jesus, because it'll start, to, it'll complete. Yes, what's going on, dear? Oh, you're just praising God. All right. Anybody else, you've noticed a change already. Something's starting to happen. You're, there's, a little, there's a diminishment in your discomfort. Just wave at me. What's happening back there, brother? The pl- pain in your foot's going away. Anybody else? Yes. Knee pain is going. Somebody else? Yes. Your neck pain has vanished. Diminish. Praise God. Yes. Yes, brother. Same there. Diminishing. Diminishing. Amen. You see, that's the thing. I was praying with a lady in Ithaca, New York. We got a word like this, and she had two, two hearing aids. She had them turned up as loud as they would go, and she was losing her ability even with that, and she didn't know what was going to happen. And so God had spoken a word, and uh, we prayed for her, and she didn't get any immediate release, but she came back the next day and said, I've had to turn my sound down. And she came back the next day and said, I've had to turn my volume down. So each time we came together, which I think we had like four or five meetings, she kept having to turn her volume down each time, you see. So just give God praise for what he's doing. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. There was a lady that got healed of scoliosis there that night as well. And people, some people received arches in their feet. 
And so God is good. Amen. So if you notice something while I'm preaching and you want to share it, just wave at me and I'll let you interrupt me, okay? And so to give God the glory. Anybody else before we get started back on it? Yes, in the back. Almost gone. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You won't be able to sue for whiplash now. All right. Anybody else? Praise God. Praise God. They will live. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Anybody else now? I saw a hand over. Yes, dear. Praise God. All right. So you see how this works, right? Now, you've had a living demo, and I know you know this anyway. I'm preaching to the choir here, but... But you see, this is an encouragement for you. See, my, I'm an encourager. That's my main thing. You know, you can call me all kind of, That's just who I am. I just, I can't, even if I'm discouraged, I can't help but encourage people. You know, I just, it's just like a force in me that just, it just comes up. And I just, it just, it's just there. So, you know, I'm encouraging you today that, to, that you're more than you think you are. Because you're hooked up with the one who's everything. You see, so our nation may be going through some hard times. And our finances and our government, where we shake our head and we say, God, who let the crazy people out of the hospital? You know, but God is still God. And we are still his kingdom in the earth. I hate to tell you, but the United States of America, with all of its wonderful stuff, that isn't the kingdom of God. It never was meant to be the kingdom of God. It was meant to be a place where the kingdom of God could come and flourish in freedom and liberty. Don't be too quick to give that up. Because if you do, you might never get it back. Some things are worth fighting for. So we've been empowered by God. I'm, no, I'm just a chicken farmer from Maine. You know, I, my dad was an all-American heathen. You know, I don't come from a long line, at least on my dad. Now, on my mom's side, they were godly people. My mom was raised from the dead when she was 18 months old. And, and uh, my dad was told he'd never live an hour after he was born. He's getting ready to have his 95th birthday. So, see, God can intervene, can he, in our lives if we'll give him a chance. And he'll, he'll break in and do stuff. And that's what we're here for, to be his intervention, to be his voice, to declare the things we hear in prayer. To, when we're worshiping God and he puts something in us, we're not supposed to just sit on it and, and just let it just the moment pass. We need to move in, strike while the iron's hot. Speak out the things that some of you may be called to speak in, out in the public. Yeah. You may be called to speak into government or into business or into industry. You may be called to move and be a part of the kingdom of God. Yeah. And all the, see, the kingdom of God isn't just here in this building. Everything is his. And he wants to fill everything. In the book of Daniel, chapter 2, verse 34 
Daniel was speaking to Nebuchadnezzar, to, uh, was it Nebuchadnezzar here that saw, had the, the dream? I don't have all the verses, but he said, You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. <laughs> wow, that, you know, that's a powerful... You see, when you begin to put that together with what God is saying here, you, you realize something that God means business. He's already spoken and said that this stone, which represents Jesus Christ, he, didn't Jesus say that if you fall on me, you'll be broken, but if I fall on you, I'll grind you to pumice. Pumice is pretty fine. That's almost as fine as a frog's hair split three ways. <laughs> I mean, I think I'd rather take a chance on being broken and becoming pumice because the next step is that wind comes and just blows you know there's kingdoms and nations that's been on this earth and family lines that have disappeared never to be seen again everything has an end maybe even America will have an end we don't know he, God's the one who's, who raises up nations he determines how long they're, they're going to have to seek him and then he ends them and he raises up. So we don't know. We don't have any guarantees. But we have a guarantee of this. The nation that you're a part of, the kingdom that you're a part of, that place where you have your citizenship is never going to come to an end. It's world without ends. It's God's power living through us, using us to spread his kingdom, to excite people. You know, the more free we get, the more we can attract people that are in bondage. People are looking to be set free. They don't want to come into dead religion. They don't want to just join something and it's just more death in there than sometimes they had out there, more bondage. They want to come in where there's liberty and life and the pursuit of godliness. That little stone uncut by human hands became a mountain. That's the government of God. That's the kingdom of God. It filled the whole earth. How much is the whole? I believe it's all. <laughs> it's all, y'all. Habakkuk says, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now listen, there's a time to stand and resist. But there's also a time to humble ourselves. Sometimes the devil attacks us and we've got to pray and fight him. But how many of you have ever rebuked the devil and it was really God? Am I the only one? Sure, because we didn't understand. We had to come to an, okay, God, I see that's you. I, I give up. <laughs> you win, uncle, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's choking us out there, you know. Well, never mind. <laughs> now, <laughs> I've had several visions that feed into the, these things that God is saying. I was in the, up in Delaware, and uh, I got this vision of a 
big room full of easy chairs, and they all had like reading lights. And some people were sitting there reading, and other people were just sitting there with the light off, and some people had just turned the light off and left. And the Lord said that people always have a choice whether they want to be in the light or not. You know, so there's people that come in the light, and they're there for a while, and they say, I don't want this. They get up and leave. That's, God gives us free will to do that. But once you've tasted the Lord, it's hard to go back, isn't it? But Pastor and I sharing the other day, I believe there's a lot of people out there that wish they could come back. They're cast sheep. And, uh, you know, when a sheep is cast, it really is unable to help itself. And you say, well, you know, you got yourself in, get yourself out. But that, that preaches easy and sounds good, but that's hard sometimes. Some people are in, they need somebody to come along beside them and get them back on their feet give them some grace and some love. And I, I believe there's enough of them out there. You could probably fill a church like this hundreds of times with the people that have come and left and need to, that they're just in bondage. Some of them don't want to come back, but many of them do. They wish they could. They just can't find their way. And we who are in the light, the Bible says we can pray and God will give us life for them. And we can go to them and we, we, can, we can get life for them. Had another picture of this, of this stadium, and it was a huge, like a football stadium, and, and it was full of people, and everybody was sitting on the stands, even the team on both sides were all sitting on the, you could see them in their uniforms, and they were looking down at the end where the players all run out, you know, and, and I thought, God, what does this mean? He says, they're waiting for the superstar to come and win the game. And he began to speak to me. How many of you have come sort of to the place in life where you look around at society, you look at the government, you look at all the things that are going on, and you've said, Jesus, this world is such a mess that it's, nothing's going to change unless you come back and change it. Am I the only one that ever got like that? If that's you, put your hand up. Yeah. See, I believe that's because we believe the lie of the devil. You see, the Lord spoke to me and he said, I didn't sell them to sit on the bench. They set themselves on the bench. I didn't disqualify them. In their own mind, they disqualified themselves. They don't think they can play the game. They don't think they can win. So they're waiting. You see, I believe across the world... In many places, the church is in that place like it's just so wicked, so evil. There's nothing we can do, and so we've just sat down and quit. Well, it doesn't matter anyway because Jesus is going to come by the day after tomorrow. And, <laughs> and all this stuff's going to get burned up anyway in the great tribulation, and it's all going to come to an end, so why fight for any of it? Well, you know the Bible says the meek shall inherit the what? I mean, what kind of an inheritance would that be if it's turned into just a big cinder? I guess you could have a barbecue with it or something. But No, I think this world is here. World's without end. It's our earth. Now, there's going to, there's going to come a day of renewal. The Bible says Jesus is, going to be, is being held in heaven until the time of the restoration of all things. And I got an idea that restoration of all things may be when Israel gets restored. 
Because when Israel ended, it was the destruction of all things, wasn't it? I'm getting this as fresh revelation. <laughs> Never saw it this way before. See, when, when Israel was ended, that was the end of a... If you had to listen to the apocalyptic language of Jesus, it looked like the whole world was coming to an end. Stars were falling from heaven. All, the moon and was turning, all that stuff. But that's all prophetic language that talked about rulers and leaders. And that the Bible is full of that kind of language. I, I don't believe that there is a literal time and that's going to literally happen the way that Jesus said it, but it was prophetic language and the people that he was talking to knew that. They were used to that kind of language. Now some of you might not like that and I don't really care. <laughs> it's gonna be what it's gonna be anyway. But I believe it helps us to have faith to know that there is coming a time when Jesus, is, I mean, we're, we're heading towards something. You're either gonna die and go and stand before the Lord, or he's going to return and your body is going to be changed in an instant. See, I believe there's coming a time when the books are going to be closed on the Gentile world. The Bible talks about the... Yeah, there's going to come a... Maybe this morning the last one will get saved, and that'll... You you never know, do you? See, when the Bible talks about Jesus coming back for a perfect church, is it a church where everybody is just perfect? Or is it a church where all the members are in place? All the seats are full. Everybody's up to the table. All the numbers in. I don't know. I'm just putting it out there, you know, for you to, to consider. And so God is telling us get back in the game. Get back in the game. You see, if, you, if, if we don't do anything, the devil will win. And, you know, we don't have to necessarily go up to Washington, D.C. and stand on the steps of the Capitol and, you know, decl- I mean, I didn't go up to the jet stream and move it down. I didn't get behind that fly and herd it out of the house. I didn't go up and gather the winds and the rain and put the fire out. I didn't make the clouds move. God does all that stuff, but he's looking for people that are bold and brash to speak his word. They have faith in their hearts, and when they hear the word of the Lord in their spirit, and they, they'll speak it, and they'll declare it. Because as we declare what God is doing and saying, we're declaring and establishing the kingdom of God, and God moves in his word. Mark 1.15 says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. <laughs> Hebrews 10.12 said, But he having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. God's calling the church to flourish Amen. under difficult circumstances. If you'll receive this, we, the church, are a city of refuge. We are. The more freedom and liberty we have, the more we can attract those who are bound and want to escape the consequences of their sinful life. Because we are a city of refuge. We are the kingdom of the mighty God. We don't have to bow our knee to anyone or our 
He is King of kings and Lord of lords. But we can love, honor, and respect our fellow man, and we can, we can be people who will stand in the gap and declare and speak and move and do as God moves us. That's who we are. What an awesome God we serve. What an awesome hour we live in. You know, all these things that are going on that are terrible things can actually work for our good. You know, if you're, if you're really rich, when things are bad, you can get more rich because you've got cash. And when somebody's property is they can't pay for, you can go in and pick it up for a little bit of nothing. And you can become wealthy, wealthy, wealthy that way. You know what? You might not have a lot of money, but you're rich in other things. You're rich in the faith. So you're rich in the capital of heaven. When you speak the word of God and move, things happen. And so as wealthy people know how to look at the times and say, hey, I can make a lot of money right now. You need to look at the times and say, this is a time to advance the kingdom of God like no other. Hallelujah. If you believe that in your heart, stand up and give a shout. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. We glorify your name. You're awesome, Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Ear problems, eye problems, you're healed. In Jesus' name. I command the ringing in ears to go, tinnitus. I command ears to open up in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I command eye vision to begin to clarify in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nerve problems, you're being healed right now. Nerve pain, go in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nerve pain, go in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know where we are. What, what time do you need to be? It's about 5 till 12. But it, all right. Bless you.